0: You know, in the middle of all of this mess that we're going through with uh, COVID and politics, election year, all the rioting and stuff, I think we just need to remind ourselves once again as we get started here that God's in charge, God's still on the throne, and as bad as things may be in your household or as you believe they are in the country, um, you know what? It'll all work out. Uh, It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but it'll all work out and God is still in charge, and so we trust him, and that's what he calls upon us to do. I want to begin this morning by reading a, a, just a little story here. Let me read this for you. and Just listen carefully. It says, excuse me, one early evening on a lonely country road, an old man was standing on a bridge high above a deep river. He had just dropped a pebble over the railing to see how long it would take to hit the water. As he watched the ripples fanning out, uh, along came a pickup truck. It slowly came to a stop, but the motor kept running. The old man noticed the name painted on the door. It said, Jack's Greenhouse Nurseries. Walking up to the window, he saw a man behind the wheel with his head bowed low and breathing heavily. Anything wrong, he asked. Yes, the man said quietly, I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm trying to get to the hospital. Let me help, said the old man. You shouldn't be driving. The hospital is a good ten miles from here. I know, mumbled the man. I'm Jack. I'm a widower. I was all alone at my nursery after my employees had left for the day. Well, don't worry, Jack, said the old man. I'll drive you there. He opened the door, took the wheel, and drove as fast as he could down the road. When they arrived at the emergency entrance to the hospital, the attendants rushed out with a wheelchair, quickly wheeled Jack into the emergency room. The old man waited throughout the night. He knew what it was like to be alone, without family or friends in times of need. He too was a widower. He had lived alone since his wife died several months ago. The doctors were able to save Jack's life. They told the old man that Jack would have died if he had arrived a few minutes later. A week passed, and Jack was getting well. Several of his employees came to visit, as did the old man. While everyone was gathered around the bedside, Jack took the hand of the old man, and he said to the employees, this dear and gentle man saved my life, even though we were perfect strangers. And I want you to know that he has created a ripple effect in all of our lives. By saving my life, he saved the business. And by saving the business, he saved the jobs of 30 families. And we all owe him so much. There was silence. All the eyes turned toward the old man. He gave a gracious smile, but there were tears in his eyes. He gently leaned over the railing of the bed and whispered to Jack. He said, I have to tell you something. He said, Jack, you saved my life. Just about the time you drove up in your truck, I was about to jump off the bridge. Now I know how important every life on earth is to every other. And it's just like you said, Jack, the ripple effect. You know, I think we don't fully understand the impact that we have on other people's lives, whether it's intentional or unintentional, because both of these lives were touched and the ripples just kept going from there. This ripple effect that we are talking about, you may be familiar with it. If you've ever been at a lake or a pond in still water and you throw a rock in and you see what the rock does and how the ripples just go out from that and it's like one ripple starts another one on down until it finally fades away. If I had to give a definition for the ripple effect, it would be like this. It would go the it says that the continuing and spreading results of an event or action. The continuing and spreading results of an event or action. That's what the ripple effect is. That's what it's talking about. It happens whether we realize it or not. And that's the key part here. It happens whether or not you realize it. Um, The lives that you affect, that you touch, they go on to affect other lives in various ways. And this ripple effect, the lives that that we touch, are either touched for good or bad. Now, this is important, and listen carefully. The ripple effect is true whether it be good effects or not. So it doesn't really matter. This, this principle holds true that your life is going to touch the life of somebody else and it is either going to bring about good results or it will not. It will be bad results, evil, sinful results. But nonetheless, it happens. And the thing about it is that it affects people for generations to come. The things that happen in our lives affect other people's lives, and it goes and continues on like a ripple down through time. For generations to come, people's lives are affected. You know, the scripture teaches this. It teaches both principles, both sides of this, I guess you'd say. It teaches us that this ripple effect results in good, and it also results in bad. Now, there are various scriptures. There are various illustrations for this, but just let me show you this scripture here that talks about the evil effects of a bad influence and how that ripples down through generations to come. The passage is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. In verses 9 through 10, here's what Moses says as God inspires him to write this. He says, You shall not bow down to them or worship them, talking about idols, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Hmm. You ever wonder what that's talking about? You ever wonder if that verse is teaching that God punishes our children because of our sins? A lot of people believe that. A lot of people believe that God is going to punish your children because of your sins and that he won't mess with you, but he may mess with your children because you've sinned. The Jews believed that. When they heard that, they, over time, began to twist and distort the meaning of that to the point where they believed that. Now, evidence of that is when we come to the New Testament. When Jesus is walking and doing ministry and proceeding through the city, they stop at a, at a blind man and his disciples ask, okay, Lord, who sinned that this man was born blind? Did his parents sin? See, they believe that. We've talked about that in the past, that sometimes we reap the, the punishment that it should have gone to our parents but didn't and somehow it has poured out on us as uh, children of, of parents. But in reality, that's not true, and that's not what that verse is saying. Now, let me show you a different verse. It's in Ezekiel, centuries later now. The prophet Ezekiel, God speaks to the nation of Israel through the prophet Ezekiel, and watch what he says. In Ezekiel 18, verses 2 through 4, he says, What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? Now, here's the proverb they were quoting. The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. He goes on to say, As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me. The parent as well as the child both belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Now, what is this all about? Well, God is asking the nation of Israel, Why have you distorted this? You have come up or created this proverb, this saying, that says the parents eat the sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, the parents did something and we're suffering the result of it. The parents did something and we are being punished for it. And what he's saying, he said, whoa. He said, don't don't be teaching that in the nation of Israel anymore because this is the way this works and this is where you have messed up. He said, I love the children and I love the parents. And he said, the person that sins, they'll bear the consequences of their own sin. But parents aren't going, children aren't going to be punished because of the sin of the parents. That's a distorted teaching. Now, with that in mind, then let's go back up to Deuteronomy 5 and ask the question, then what does this mean? What does it mean when he says that the, God will punish the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me? Well, basically what we're talking about here today with this ripple effect, that's what he's trying to convey, that when you as a parent raise your children and you are an example of sinfulness, when you abuse them, when you mistreat them, when you give them an example of immorality, when you cheat on your spouse, when you are not a good parent, when you are selfish and and dishonest all of the things that we can imagine when you do that your children are going to grow up to be that way your influence is the beginning of a ripple effect in your family that goes on for generations and so for the third or fourth generation your children are going to be punished not because you sin but because they sin but the reason that they're sinning that way and living that way is because they learned it from their parents who learned it from their parents who learned it from you. And it has just passed down. Now, guys, you know this as well as I do. How many times have we heard testimonies of people who have been caught up in drugs and alcoholism who have been uh, have, have abused and are, are uh, spouse abusers and, and so forth? And, and you go back and you find out, well, that's what they learned from their parents and sure enough they learned it from their parents and on down the line. So this principle that the bad influence is rippled down through time is biblical. It's taught in scripture. And this is what this passage is talking about. Like I said, all you got to do is go back into the Old Testament and find examples of kings in the nation of Israel who were evil and it goes and it tells you that this king was evil and his son was evil and his son was evil until somebody breaks the cycle. And see, that's the key to restoration in the life of a family. Somewhere along the line, somebody has to decide, I'm not going to live that way. You don't have to be that way. You don't have to perpetuate the sin of mom and dad. See, this is, the, this is what we have to learn. And so we begin to start a different ripple effect by the way that we respond as parents. Now, that's a given. There is an evil ripple effect as well as the good, but that's really not what I want to talk about today. I want you to be aware of it, but what I want to do is talk about the good ripple effect. In other words, the challenge today is more in, in, in the area of a positive than a negative. Godly behavior is passed, is passed down too. You're sitting here today in church in all probability because either you're starting a new tradition in your family and changing things or you have learned it from your mom and dad who probably learned it from godly grandparents and on down the line. There is a godliness that is passed down from generation to generation. It is because they see it in your life, because they have heard you teach it, because they have seen it exemplified in the way you deal with people and the way you love the Lord and and that sort of thing. They learned that. This is what I believe that Proverbs is talking about. When Proverbs says, in Proverbs 22, 6, it says this, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. It's talking about the ripple effect. It's saying you begin your family and you begin to train your children in a godly way with godly examples and godly teaching, and you know what? They may veer off the path throughout their life and may get into trouble and may, you may think you're a failure, but they will never, ever forget what you've taught them and what they've seen in you. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to be what you want them to be, but they will inevitably remember what mom and dad have taught them and shown them. And this is that ripple effect because what is passed down for good, see, came from you. Now, you may have been raised in a family that was abusive and alcoholics and drug addicts and God knows what else. But you have to begin with change. And you begin that new ripple effect, see. But I want you to understand and what we're emphasizing as we go through this, like I said, is the positive because godly actions affect others just like sinful actions do i want to show you this verse this is we're moving out of the realm of family for a moment okay and i'm not we you can certainly apply everything we've talked about to the family but i want to broaden it if you will Broaden it to include ministry and the way you deal with people, the way you treat people, the way you talk to people, what you do as far as trying to reach out and share truth with other people, that sort of thing. There's a verse here in, in uh, Second Timothy that basically supports, if you will, or gives us an example of what I'm teaching here today. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, this is Paul writing to Timothy, the young pastor. And he says in verse 2, he says, I'm sorry, verse 1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men or reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now think about what that's saying. Because what you have here, I I don't want to say four generations because it wasn't generational. But what you have are four, at least, ripples. It began with Paul. Paul was like a stone thrown into the world of, of ungodliness, and he just started a ripple effect. And he says, Timothy, you take what I have taught you and what you've seen and heard in my life, and then you teach it to somebody else who then will be able to teach it to somebody else. In other words, the ripples. Four waves of this on down the line. Now, folks, you know, this is so important for us to understand because everything that we, as Christians, are called upon to do, everything we endeavor to do, everything we're involved in, we need to understand how important this is. and We need to understand that we affect people Both sinfully and godly, we have an effect on their lives. And today, as I said, we're going to focus on the godly part of it. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you with just how important that is. It is so important in your family. It is important in your church. Because the example that you are to people just in this church changes the way they view life. You know, Deborah and I have gone to many churches over the course of our Christian life, we have been in leadership in those churches and we haven't in some churches. We've always found in those churches godly examples of older people who have affected our lives. They've been examples to us. And I can tell you from looking back on it that both Deb and I have pulled into our relationship and into our family and into our ministry things that we've learned from those people, both in what they spoke and both in what we saw in their lives. And they were examples to us, and it is like a ripple effect because the things that I have been able to share and do and exemplify in the churches that I've been in, a lot of it came from older, wiser Christian people throughout our lives that we've gone to church with and learned from. And so, yeah, I want to encourage you to be that way in your families, in your church, in your community, and even in the world because I don't really believe we understand fully the impact. There are a lot of things that we do unintentionally, like the old man at the bridge story. A ripple effect was set into motion, not intentionally, it was unintentional. I want to encourage you to be intentional. I want to encourage you to realize that the things that you do for the Lord and the way that you live your life for Him, it matters. Even when you think that it doesn't. There will be people watching and learning, and they're going to take and pass down what they've learned by watching you and what you've told them. And this, this enters into so many different areas of life. I want to challenge you to remember three things in the time we have remaining just to share with you three things that I want to leave you with as a challenge to really remember and think through as you consider this ripple effect and your impact on other people. And I want to encourage you with this before I ever get to these three points. It does not matter where you are in life. I realize as I look out here, there's a lot of older folks in our congregation. You may be thinking to yourself, well, that was something I needed to hear 40 years ago. But it's really too late for me now. No, it's not. Those are the people that I've learned the most from. And you have so much to offer and so many people whose lives can be affected by the way you choose to live. So remember these three things. Here's the first thing that I want you to remember. Every act of love and compassion is the beginning of a series of ripples. Everything you do for somebody else is a series of the beginning of a series of ripples in their lives. Now you've got to understand the importance of this. Because I don't think we fully believe that. We only think of the big things in life as being impactful. But it's not. It's a lot of times the things you don't realize. Now let me give you an illustration. I'll tell you a story. It's a true story and it may take a few minutes, but just bear with me. Uh, 25 years ago. Now, believe me when I say that 25 years ago, I can barely remember some things. And so the details of this, I'll tell you right up front. Some of them I'm not real clear on or remember, but there are some things I remember very clearly. 25 years ago, I was in service at a church up in Indiana. And um, we'd been there for a couple, three years, and a a family came to our church, Todd and Amy. They had, I I mean, this is one of the sketchy remembrances, but I think they had three sons at that time, you know, stair-stepped in age, but the one child I remember vividly was their little daughter. She was about four years old, beautiful blonde hair. Her name was Addison. Now, they were new to the church, and you, I, I, you can just tell they were new to church in general and had not gone to church a whole lot in their married life. And Addison, as they began to get involved in church, was so excited about being in church and loved all that she was learning in children's ministry and so forth. I would stand at the door and greet people as they came in on Sunday, a lot like what we do here now. Addison would just make a beeline for me every Sunday, love me to death. And she would always come head first. Now, you got to understand, the 4 year olds about this high, so I had to be very careful. I mean, she would just headbutt me in a heartbeat and just hold my thigh. I would have to drag her off of my thigh because she just loved me and loved being at church, just smiling, just as happy as she could be. Now, her mom and dad were great people. Todd was uh, an executive in 3M Company. Um, He had a very good job, made a great salary. And I don't know, as I have tried to remember them, to think back to where they were believers at that time. I don't think they were, but I'm not sure. I can remember Todd being very cautious, very skeptical. Now, that happens a lot with families who come into the church. Usually what is happening when a family comes into the church, they're there because the wife wants to be there. The wife wants it because she's got children and she realizes the importance of it. And the husband comes, sometimes kicking and screaming, but at least he comes. Well, that's kind of the situation with Todd. Todd was there but very skeptical. And I can remember as we tried to draw them into the, the workings of the church and so forth, we got into they got into Sunday school and all the things that people normally do. I can remember very vividly a class that I was teaching called the Discovery Class. I've taught it here a few times. It's geared toward people who don't know a lot about the Bible, who just want to know. Maybe even be unbelievers, it doesn't matter. You can come into the Sunday School class. I'll teach it. It's usually small. And um, we cover everything. In that class, I I will spend six weeks, six Sundays, just on the Gospel. We turn it inside out. We answer every possible question you might have about it. We talk about works and faith and salvation and what Jesus did and the atonement and all of the stuff, everything you can imagine. And we don't stop until all of your questions are answered, or at least you're satisfied with the answers you've been given. And then we go on to other topics. And the class ends when everybody begs to stop. That's basically when it ends. Well, they were in there. They were in that class, I can remember it. Todd, like I said, sat there. Amy's just all smiles eating it up. We came to the topic of giving because in this class we talk about that. And Todd, he bowed up like, oh, no, no, don't even talk to me about that. Now, here he was fairly well off, had a good job. He said, I can't even imagine giving my money away. I can't even imagine giving money to a church. I can't even imagine giving my money to people in need. I just can't see it. And so we just go through the teaching. I said, here's what the Bible says. You're going to have to make your own mind up on this. You're going to have to come to your own decision. And I can't force you or anything else, and I would never do that. So we left it at that. They continue to be involved in the church. I'm sure they began to change as time went on. Eventually he got moved to Fort Wayne because of his work, and I lost contact with him. A few years later, we came here to minister here. It's been 11 years ago now that I heard through Facebook and friends back at the church that they were going to the mission field. They were going to Guatemala and to take over an orphanage. About 11 years ago, they come down here one Sunday, come to church here, we take them out to lunch, and we just hear all the story of what's been, what has been the Lord's been doing, and they are just aglow. So they were here telling me about their ministry and, and, and asking if I could help them, and we have been ever since that time, helping them financially. And I think, you know, God has got such a sense of humor, doesn't he? Because here's a man that stood up and said, basically in that class, I can't even imagine giving my money, and now here he is raising money. But that's what God does. So they went down there about ten years ago. They raised support and went down there. And they have been there for about the last ten years. A few weeks back, a month or so ago, Deborah gets an email from Amy. And she says that they, she and Todd, are coming back to the States and that Addison, that little girl now, who's now married and living there too, married and has a child, is going to take over the ministry down there. And that they are going to come back here and live and asking Deborah about this area in the East Texas area, wanting to find a home somewhere in this area. And they will then be going and raising support for the ministry, going to churches and trying to raise support for the ministry. Now, they have in the last 10 years adopted six Guatemalan children. And they're coming back, and basically she's saying, she <laughs> we don't have anything. They got money in the bank that they can purchase, you know, a house with or put down on a house. And she said, we'll still be working through the ministry, having support there. She said, but we're coming basically with just our clothes. Because we're not, you know, we have to furnish a house and everything else. So Deborah's trying desperately to help them. And in the correspondence between them, she sent her this email. And she was just talking about, you know, part of the decision was having to do with their family and her dad, especially, and mom, and her dad's health. Here's what she said She said, My dad also has pulmonary fibrosis and given three years to live. He is a believer now, thanks to you and Dave. I said, what? I don't recall him ever come. He may have come to the church, and I just don't know. But then she goes on to explain. He is a believer now, thanks to you and Dave. They and my sister became believers because of Todd and I after we learned from you. I thought, wow. I never knew that. I never knew that she had taken what she learned in that little class and shared it with her family. They came to Christ. I never knew that, but it's just an example of the ripple, because as we sat there and I thought to myself, this is a tough nut to crack here now, this guy's going to be tough, and I don't know where he is spiritually, I can't make, you know, get a read on this, only to find that God now has taken all that they have learned and the challenges and now moved them into ministry and how that they have witnessed and shared their faith and shared the things that I taught them in that class with their parents and their sister and now they're believers, I thought, wow. Every act of love and compassion and ministry and the things that you do with and for other people is the beginning of a series of ripples. It really is. And I don't think that we realize that. I don't think we fully realize it. But just like it was true in this situation, and these lives were changed. But here's what I want you to say. Not just their life was changed, their parents' life was changed, and the life of at least six Guatemalan children without parents was changed. And there were so many more children that were affected through this ministry. And so sitting up in Indiana in my office with a group of people that were skeptical and standoffish and gather walls up, and you proclaim the Word of God to them, and then they go out, and the ripples go out into the world and change the world. That's the power of what I'm talking to you about, you see. This is the power of this. And everything that you do, whether it be writing a card or visiting somebody or calling somebody and praying with somebody, sharing your faith, your experiences, your story, bringing them to church, everything that you do has consequences. And the ripple just keeps going on. And it's out of your control. And that's a good thing. And that brings me to the second Thing that I want you to remember now, and that is this, that you never underestimate the power of God to change someone. You never underestimate the power of God to change someone. I think sometimes we do that. We write people off. It would have been easy for me to write this off and say, this guy's hopeless. He's greedy. He's selfish. He's only is concerned about himself, and he'll never amount to anything spiritually because he's just got this wall up and he's not going to change. But, oh, baby, when the Spirit of God starts working, God can knock down the walls and God can change hearts, and I can't do that, and neither can you. As much as we would love to change people, we can't. I, 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 I had to give that up a long time ago, because when I first went into ministry, that's what I thought. I thought, man, you just go and you preach, and... And you deal with people, and, and you're going to change them. No, you're not. But through the power of God, they change in ways that I can't even imagine. Ephesians chapter three, verse twenty. Listen to what Paul says here, and he's writing to the Ephesians. He says, "Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us." Now watch the verse, okay? Don't lose this. He's praising God, and he says, here's the reason why. Because he is able to do immeasurably more. That means more than you could ever measure. You can't quantify it. Immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine. How does he do it? Through the power of his Spirit, working in those people like Todd and working in you. Spirit of God led me to a church and I was led to share in a class the truth of Scripture. And the power of God changed lives. Can't take credit for that. All I can do is take credit for being faithful to share. What I want you to see is that the power of God can take whatever you have and use it like a ripple in a pond, to change lives generations down the road and even in worlds you'll never see. You never know what a kind word will mean to somebody. You never know what loving somebody will do what not judging them will do in their lives. When you accept somebody, warts and all, and tell them the truth of God, and you're bold in that, but at the same time you're compassionate and loving and not judging, you never know what God will do with that person. When you teach a Sunday school class here in this church to little kids, and they are just wild as they can be, and you wonder sometimes, "Do do they ever even listen to what you're saying? and all you want to do is quit, you'll never know the impact you have and the ripples that will be caused and the lives and the families that will be changed. But God doesn't. Because God sees what they will be. We, on the other hand, tend to want to judge them for what they are and quantify in our minds whether they're worth the effort. Don't do that. Because the power of God can change any person. All you are called to do is to be faithful. And you've got to believe now. This is the key, see, because you've got to believe that God's going to do what God's going to do. And that's part of our problem. We don't really believe that. We think we're wasting our time. We think that it's a lost cause. And there aren't any lost causes. Because even if people don't respond the way you think they should, they are taking with them what little bit you've given them, the seeds that you've planted. And God takes that and changes. You see, God changes them. Here's the third thing that I want to encourage you with as you think about this, and that is that you may never see the results of your work. You may never see the results of your work. And that's uh, unfortunate because I really believe that we would be so excited if we really understood the lives of the people we've changed or had an impact on. The results will be felt long after you're gone, long after you're gone. You just have no idea the generations that come after you, the people that you have affected in a godly way and and just just to think that it all began with you. It all began because you were faithful to teach that class. You were faithful to take that person, spend some time with them. You were faithful to love them and to tell them and to be honest with them and to confront them. And all of these things you were faithful to do, and the power of God took that and changed them and those that come after them. It will blow your mind. But that's where faith comes in. Because, you see, even though I can't see it, and I may not be aware of the results like this with Todd and Amy, I knew how, knew nothing about that, we still, by faith, proceed forward dealing with people, ministering to people, loving people, in obedience to God, and let God change them. That's what faith is all about. You may never see the results of your work in this life, but you will someday. I believe someday when we're in the presence of God there will be people who come and the Bible tells us we'll know everything at that point. We will be like Him. We'll have full knowledge of what could have been, what was, and so forth. There will be people who come and thank you who 150 years have gone by But they realized that the pattern broke with you. That you started the ripple. Your act of kindness, your efforts, the work you put in started a ripple that changed lives for 150 years. And I believe that we'll all be amazed. Mm. We will be amazed. The lives who have been touched, the people who have been saved, the families that have been changed. I believe that we'll be excited. We'll rejoice together. And I also believe, now listen to me, I also believe that we will have some regrets. Because when we see it in its culmination, we will think, why didn't I do more? if the power of God is working in bringing about the results like this, why didn't I do more? Guys, don't let that be true of us. Don't let that be true of you. Be the stone that starts the ripple, that sets it into motion. Be faithful. Just be faithful. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here in Your presence, Father, we are humbled by the power of Your Spirit to be effective in the lives of people in ways that we can't even imagine. To see people who have been battered and bruised and have been taken advantage of for so many years who don't see the love of God, who don't realize the love of God. But Father, all of a sudden, to see their lives changed because somebody, somebody showed them love and compassion in Your name. Somebody taught them the grace of God. Somebody held them accountable and loved them until Your Spirit changed them. Father, I pray for each one of us that we would change the patterns that have been established in our lives that are evil and sinful and begin to see that we don't have to live that way. We don't have to keep perpetuating that ripple in our own families. But, Father, more than anything, I pray that you'd help us to see that the good that we do in the power of the Holy Spirit changes lives. Not only now, but forever. Father, I pray that we would trust you enough in your power, in your work, in your word, that we would trust you, that we would reach out and be the stone that sets in motion the next ripple that may change the world. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.